This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining us on the phone today is Amy Speece, who will be coming to the Rams Head on stage on July 17th for an all-ages show, which is unusual for the Rams Head, so get your kids to appreciate music. It's at noon on July 17th, and Amy Speece is on the phone. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Hey, thank you very much for taking time out of your, your tour and your day to give us a talk. And I just wanted to learn a little bit. I understand that you're originally from Baltimore way back yeah, when. Born, is that true? I was born in Baltimore and I spent the first uh, eight, seven years of my life in Ellicott City. And my family actually is all back in Frederick now. Oh, that's so cool. So this is sort of like a homecoming, if you will. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I didn't really grow up in Maryland, but I sort of feel like it's my spiritual home. That's cool. So where where is your where is your other homes? Um, I we moved from uh, Baltimore to to Minneapolis for five years, and then we moved to the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and, and that was like junior high and high school. Went to college in Massachusetts and went to New York City right after that, and spent twenty years in New York City, and moved to Nashville in in uh, two thousand nine. Well, it sounds like the perfect itinerary for an artist. It was. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you are out touring and supporting your latest album, There Used to Be Horses Here, correct? I am, yeah. I guess you're probably glad to be out touring after the last year. <laughs> I'll tell you, this will be my first weekend of shows since uh, I was in London and doing a UK tour in, I think it was February 2020 came home. We had a massive tornado in Nashville, and the week after that, the world shut down. Oh my gosh! How it it has to be so exciting for you to get back out on the road. It is, and I have to be honest. I don't usually practice because I'm on the road so much, but I've been practicing because the the calluses in my fingers went away in the last what is it 16 months. So <laughs> I've been I'm back to square one, practicing piano and guitar every day and trying to get my voice in shape. So I am really looking forward to getting getting in front of people. Well, don't screw up the lyrics, okay? I always screw up the lyrics. It's part of the charm. You are a songwriter and an essayist in yes. the basic sense. And you have been, you know, you've been published in the New York Times, American Songwriter Magazine, the Blue Rock Review. Uh, you were named the international, you're not you, but you're... Um, was awarded the International Song of the Year last year by, was it last year? Yeah, it was last it was year, 2020. 2020, yeah. Right, by the Americana Music Association for uh, Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne. Which uh, Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne came out in September 2019, but I wasn't able to tour it. So I feel like I'm touring two albums because I made uh, There Used to Be Horses Here, the current record, during the pandemic. So I, I'm doing a doubleheader. Um, and, you know, it's funny because... Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne was written while I was nine. It was written during my pregnancy and I recorded it a couple of weeks before my son Huck was born. And it was kind of really about the possibility of having to let go of the dream. For me, it was real personal because I was thinking once I had my kid, I might never tour again um, or I might not be creative. But that was the opposite effect. I got even more creative. And then there used to be horses here. Those songs were written between my son's first birthday and my father's death 18 months later. So that's a record of kind of grief and letting go, which sounds really sad. It's very personal, but it's actually a hopeful record. So both of them have the tinges of grief and hope. Why did you think that the birth of your son would stymie your, your touring and your musical ability? 
Well, I knew that once I had my son, I, I had him when I was 50 years old, which is sort of <laughs> unheard of. I was kind of alone in the crowd, but I'd been touring for 20 years and I'd had a really um, a fruitful career and I really loved it. But I, I knew that I'd waited a long time to have a child and I didn't want to miss his uh, childhood. So I was willing in some ways to let go of it and see, is there another chapter to my writing? Maybe not touring. Um, but it, it didn't happen. Like, and I also thought, you know, I'm not going to have any sleep. And I had mothers say to me, you know, sometimes that creativity just wanes when you have a child. Well, I was really happily surprised that my sleepless nights gave way to I wrote a book. I wrote two records worth of material. I think I just got busy because having a baby when you're 50, you kind of face mortality at the same time. And I thought, well, you know. If all goes south, I got to get these records out. I got to do a lot right now. So uh, fear of death keeps me productive. You know, I, 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 that might be a little bit Madonna-esque there because, I mean, <laughs> she went through the different phases of her life, you know, in New York as well. I mean, Detroit, Minneapolis to New York. But she, uh, you know, went through that as well. She wrote the book. She wrote the children's book. She had the kids and, uh, you yeah. know, persevered right on there. I'm um, just like Madonna except for the dance moves. Me too. You know? <laughs> yeah. God, who, who would have thought? But tell, right. tell me, tell me about. Um, there used to be horses here. I mean, is this what we're primarily going to be hearing when you're at the Rams Head on stage on July seventeenth at noon? Yeah, mostly. Although I have a longer show, so I'll be doing songs from both records. Um, and there used to be horses here. Um, yeah, I started writing the material. My father, um, who was my hero, and also we had a very challenging relationship he died of pancreatic cancer, which mm. is a real swift thing. He was diagnosed two years ago, June and died in October. And, you know, it was a beautiful experience to be present for that. But at the same time, part of the grief of, you know, having the small child and then my dad dying is that I knew that dad wouldn't see Huck grow up. But what I didn't anticipate is with the cancer, my son won't remember my dad. And that was really the thing that spurred me writing. I wanted to write my dad's stories. And so there's a lot of memory songs and then there's the letting go songs. And that's what really inspired that record. Also, I worked with this band from Nashville called the Orphan Brigade and they have a very distinct sound and I'm a huge fan. So I asked them to be the band and also co-produce the record. So it has a different flavor from my other records. Damn, that is beautiful. I mean, I mean, on, honestly, that is moving and beautiful that, you know, it, it's it's a tribute, obviously, to your father on one hand, but also a history for your son who's not going to get a chance mm. to know him. That's that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because he's three and he's just he's uh, he's got this crazy memory. So he he can sing Moon River front to back just because I've been singing it for so long. Um, and I have a, the opening track to There Used to Be Horses is called Down the Trail, which is my father's story. And my son sings the chorus along with me. And I, I can't wait till he's old enough that I can tell him what he's singing. <laughs> That's fantastic. And bring him out on the road with you. I'm plan Actually, I'm doing a festival this summer and he'll be with me. So I'm planning on having him on stage as my as my background singer. <laughs> oh, fantastic. fantastic. Well, that, that, There Used to Be Horses, you said that was recorded in four days? Yeah. That's pretty fast. Now, how long? I mean, obviously, it took a little bit longer to write it. Obviously, you you took the last year to write it. Um, but yeah, I mean, how how did this 
come together in four days? Was everything just clicking or was that planned? Um, I'll tell you the truth. The last three records I've done have been recorded in four days. And it's because I have so much faith and trust in Nielsen Hubbard, who produced solely the last two records. And then he was part of the Orphan Brigade. So he co-produced this one. And I have faith in him. His studio is amazing. His engineer is amazing. Nielsen knows me musically better than anybody else. And we just gather the right players. And I've worked with them like Will Kimbrell on guitar, who also works with Emmylou Harris. And, you know, my job is to make sure the songs really are locked tight and then gather the the players who listen for the song and stay out of the way, really. And once you get that vibe in the studio going, you just keep going. And it becomes, for me, it's easier. I don't like thinking too much about it, you know? I like... I like just uh, it, every song on this newest record is the first or second take. And I credit that to the Orphan Brigade for really being inside of my work in a in a beautiful, supportive way. Sounds like they just sort of got into your head and uh, your, you know, and as well as your producer to be able to just know where it needs to be. That's awesome that you've got somebody that you trust and rely on. It's like, OK, boom, let's get this done. That's awesome. Well, and we all have the Orphan Brigade is three guys and we all have a lot of similarities in, in our musical taste, but also like Ben Glover, who's the Irish guy in the mix, he kind of adds a little bit of an astral weeks feel to it. And we're all really like, I would say sort of non ecumenically uh, spiritual. And what we're doing is we're looking for the, we're looking for that sort of partner that shows up in the room whether it's you know you want to call it god or creativity or just inspiration and we all know when that take is right because we all feel the ride sure yeah you you, you stop you put the instruments down you take a sigh of relief and, and you know you got it yeah even if it's the first time you're like well we're not going to get better than that let's leave it you, you yeah. talked about some of the festivals that you've done and and i know you've played some amazing festivals worldwide do you do you have a preference to i mean obviously uh Ramshead on stage is not a festival this is a club tour but i mean do you have a preference to festivals or clubs as a performer i prefer clubs to be honest i mean festivals are great because you know you're playing out in the open air and it's great but you know the audience is far away from you and you know they're listening but they're also there for the events so there's beach balls you know there's families they're you know having a lot of beer a venue like the Rams Head, I'm up close and personal with the audience, so I can see their response, you know, and I get to meet them right afterwards at the uh, at the merch table. Right. So I, I I prefer clubs. Read their reaction, whether that's good or bad or indifferent. I guess that's uh, you know sometimes that yeah. can be kind of kind of frightening for a performer. I'd imagine getting up there, that's for sure. But it can do, be. Yeah. Do you find do you find do you, do you like American audiences or European audiences or? Oh, boy, they're very different, to be honest. And the first time I toured the UK was shocking because they were very quiet. They don't respond in the same way that American audiences respond to banter. And I had to kind of adjust my banter because, you know, some of it is culturally not relevant. or They don't get the, you know, the jokes. Um, but they listen so hard and they they seem like they're politely clapping and you're like, I don't know if they're getting this. And then they buy merch and then they're there. My audiences in England, Scotland and Wales, they show up at the same gigs all the time. They sometimes follow me from city to city. And so there's a loyalty to live music and especially to folk Americana music abroad. I also tour the Netherlands a lot and I find the same thing. 
it's not so much that American audiences aren't loyal. It's just we're, you know, the cities are few and far, you know, it, it's a different audience city to city. Sure. I, I've i got some a bunch of friends that are in a band that um, were in real big in the 80s in the U.S. called the Hooters. And they love ah, that was my first concert ever. No way, really? <laughs> ever. Oh, um, you got to tell them that was my first band. I never, that was my first concert when I was about 15 years old. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> that's hysterical. But they, yeah. they, they still tour Germany and Scandinavia and the Netherlands every, every year. Well, obviously not last year. And they, and they absolutely love it. And, and they said that it's the crowd. Exactly. It is. The crowd is different there, but they just love this American music. Mm, they come out. Well, it's funny for me because I don't consider myself anywhere near country, but I go to Germany and people show up in like nudie suits, you know, in like the Star Spangled Banner, like Grand Ole Opry suits that they buy. I don't know where they get them, but the, like these people that don't don't even speak English are like full on, you know, Porter Wagner. Right, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not Leanne Womack, you know that, you know, <laughs> but it works. It's funny. When I was listening to a lot of what you what you've done and what you're doing, um, I'm hearing Joni Mitchell in there. Do you is that a influence on you? Touchstone, and and it's the season of everyone talking about how blue influenced them. But and I know so many women, Brandy Carlisle talked about this, that she started singing because of the album Blue. Well, I was in college and somebody gave me the vinyl record to Blue. I was probably a sophomore in college, you know, 18, 19 years old. And I wasn't writing songs at that point. And I heard that record. I was a, I was more of a poet at that point. And um, I heard that record and I, I was like, oh, you can write songs like that. And also my voice when I first started out in New York City playing my gigs, I got, you know, wined and dined by a bunch of labels. And somebody said to me, well, you're never going to make it because you have a voice that's a lot like Joni Mitchell and Judy Collins. And what's funny is it was Judy Collins who discovered me. And so I cite J Joni Mitchell as like my most major influence. Ah, fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, what and, and I'm assuming Blue is probably your favorite. Is, is oh. 100%. Okay. See, I see. Now I'm, I'm more of the Court and Spark album. Oh, I love that um, record too. I've actually been, it's funny because since the blue anniversary, um, I've been, uh, and I have a Patreon page, I've been every day learning a new song from that record and posting me attempting to get through it. And it's those songs, she wrote them when she was 27 years old. And those songs are really musically challenging, but it's, it's stretching me both um, as a musician and also as a singer because holy cow. <laughs> You said you've got a Patreon, and your website is amyspeace.com, and that's A-M-Y-S-P-E-A-C-E.com. And I just had a question. When I was on there yesterday, I saw that you're doing teaching. Yeah. And, uh, you know, master classes and everything like that. Is that, just out of curiosity, was that a reaction to COVID? Is that like, okay, I need to do something so I don't go nuts? I've been teaching. A lot of folk festivals in the United States will have like a song school pre the so like Rocky Mountain Folks Festival for one that's up in Estes, um, Colorado. They have a big festival for three days um, that starts on a Friday. Well, from Monday through Thursday, they have like a three hundred person song camp, and the main stage performers will teach there. 
and teach songwriting and performance and guitar playing and things like that. Well, I've been teaching at Rocky Mountain for 17 years, at Kerrville Folk Festival for about 10 years, at various folk festivals. And then once I moved to Nashville, I started doing um, workshops with um, Nashville Songwriters Association. So I've been teaching for quite a while. And then when COVID hit, I had already been doing sort of um, private coaching on songwriting online on Zoom. So I already had a Zoom thing going, but since basically I was rendered unemployed, I immediately put together these 10-person masterclass workshops. And I've been lucky that they've been sold out and I've been doing them since March 2020. And I plan to continue it because for me, it's super fun to help somebody realize a song from start to finish. It's also really fun for me because the the teaching, I've been producing records, I've produced four records. And a lot of that came out of my students who I helped write those songs, you know, help them write their songs and then was able to kind of guide them through making their first record. Doing any any teaching or any thoughts about teaching at the uh, at, at a music school? Well, I've been offered a job at a music school in Boston, but I don't want to relocate and I don't want to teach full time. But I'm starting (laughs) randomly because of this pandemic. It's sort of making me think, what if this never comes back, the touring? And so what else do I want to do with my life? And I don't have a master's degree. So I decided that I was going to apply for a master's of fine arts in creative writing. And I got accepted into a program that starts in the fall in poetry. So I'm I'm starting um, Masters of Fine Arts in Poetry in the fall, which is funny because my mother will say, oh, the 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 only thing um, less lucrative than being a folk musician is being a poet. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, yeah. mom. <laughs> well, she's right. I'm like, I went from folk musician to poet. I'm never going to pay off my student loans. Oh, well, you know, well, no, congratulations on getting in the program. I mean, that's, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, coming from a, from a folk musician to a poet or from a poet to a folk musician, that's not a big step either. I mean, I, you, you're telling, you're, you're doing poetry, but just either way you look yeah. at it. Yeah. Well, I had been, I, you know, most of the reviews of my records over the course of my career have been, talked about the poetry of my lyrics. And so I thought, well, I might as well, let's just go, let's just jump in. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I am looking forward to hearing your show at noon on July 17th at the Ramshead on stage. Again, it is all ages, so please bring the kids, uh, get them into music. Music is just so important to life in general, and it's all different genres. And this would be a great one to see Amy Spies perform here at Annapolis. If you're looking to, on your new album, There Used to Be Horses Here, what would be the best song that would give people that are unfamiliar with you a taste of Amy Space. The title track, There Used to Be Horses Here. Absolutely. Okay. Now, would that be a standard answer for most musicians? I don't know, and I don't think so. Um, but to me, that, that song um, musically and sonically encompasses the best of what I do. And you came right up with that. That was amazing. Usually they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I've written, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know because it's been played on radio and I've had people email me saying, I've never heard of you. And I heard this song. And and so it's I, I'm getting great feedback from it, which is really encouraging and, and lovely to hear. But it's also when I wrote it, I wrote that song backstage at a show in Birmingham, England, and I wrote it. Um, in between soundcheck and the show, it just fell out of me. And then I played it that night at the show as like a work in progress. 
and I got such and and the minute I wrote it, I went, oh, this is the title track. This is the linchpin of this record. So sometimes you just know. That's amazing. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to play that after we're done here, and mm. uh, that'll get us flagged on Facebook and YouTube and everything else for copyright violation. And then we just say we're sorry and we'll let it go. But <laughs> awesome, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you mentioned your son a couple times, and you said his name is Huck. What is that? Is that short for something? Huckleberry James. Where did that come from? Well, my husband and I were on our first, I wouldn't even call it a date. It was just a friend hang. And we were just talking about things that you talk about on a hang. Um, and he is a writer, short story writer. And he asked me, and he's also from Tennessee and I'm the Yankee. And he asked me, you know, what's your, what do you think the greatest American novel is? And I said, Huckleberry Finn. And he was like, really? You're not even from the South. And I said, nope. That's my favorite. And so when we were on our honeymoon, he he said, you know, I have this dream and I know it's probably impossible. But if we ever had a son, I would love to name him Huckleberry. And I said, oh, absolutely. Because I thought having a child was out of the realm of possibility. But then it became possible. And so right away we said, this kid's going to be named Huckleberry. That's a cool name. Mm. Well done to you two. We are, <laughs> we are on the phone with Amy Spees, who is going to be performing solo at the Rams Head on stage July 17th at noon. It is an all ages show. Uh, you want to check out her website, amyspees.com. It's A-M-Y-S-P-E-A-C-E. Definitely get your tickets. You can get them at ramsheadonstage.com. There are some still left. And again, I do recommend anybody that's listening to this, if you've got young kids, this is a perfect opportunity to really, A, let them see what goes behind the doors that they never allowed in, but to really introduce them to some great music. And um, we're going to have a listen to There Used to Be Horses here in just a second. But Amy, I want to thank you very, very much for your time today. We look forward to seeing you again here in Annapolis in a couple of weeks and have a safe trip up. And thank you again very much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate it. There used to be horses here Where the grass was left to grow wild Behind the white picket fence That seemed to go on for a mile There used to be horses here On the way up Yellow Springs Road Beautiful amber maids And the sun gleaming off of their coats And I wanted to see them that day in October to the sky I wanted to see them in perfect formation one more time one more time there used to be horses here my father knew the owner from church They've torn down the old brick house Now there's just a big hole in the earth And I wanted to see them that day in October Running fast up the hill to the sky I 
has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.